Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A poetic fairy tale about love, death, art, holding on, and letting go. Reggie is a 17-year-old tomboy struggling with a terminal illness. Her parents and her dream of making film before she dies. Together with director Henry Cora, she has created a powerful portrait of herself and her quest for personal and artistic freedom. We're joined today by the director, co-director of this wonderful, moving film, um, Farewell to Hollywood, The Life and Death of Reggie Nicholson, uh, Henry Cora. Henry, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, and I'm really glad that you remembered to say co-director because Reggie was involved in every decision along the way, all the way up until watching a, a three-hour rough cut seven days before she died. Oh, my God. Well, let... boy, was she opinionated. <laughs> well, she... <laughs> Well, she seemed like a, an artist. Uh, it seems she was an artist. Uh, any mm-hmm. and, and, and young budding artist. And tell me a little bit about how you got to know Reginald. I'm sorry. Tell me. Tell, sorry, I'm sorry. Tell me a little bit how you got to know Regina Diane Nicholson. Okay. So um, I've spent my whole life making very personal nonfiction films. I came out of Maisel's film. Mm-hmm. Uh, which made Grey Gardens, Gimme Shelter, and Salesman. And that's kind of, uh, they were my mentors. And then um, I spent the last 20 years making very personal films um, that are what we, what are recently being called participatory films, which is where you actually are collaborating with your subjects on unscripted movies about their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a film called uh, The Disappearance of McKinley Nolan that premiered at the AFI Silver Docks Film Festival in Washington, D.C. And it was we were kind of the centerpiece of the festival, and Danny Glover, our executive producer, was there. And um, Reggie and her mom had come from California where Reggie had made a short film called Glimpse of Horizon that actually won the AFI Teen Docs Award that year. And so all of the filmmakers, um, they had come to my big screening that night, and we were all hanging out in the lobby of the Filmmakers Hotel in in D.C. afterwards. And I looked across the room. I was sitting with my producer, Jeremy Amar, and um, all of us were, were, you know, just sitting around talking, and it was very active. And I looked across the room, and I saw this this, this young woman who was just stunning with these kind of crazy, crooked teeth and this really short, punky kind of hair haircut. And then, obviously, she was with her mother. And I was like, who is that? young woman over there she looks is she some kind of german movie star who's part of the festival (laughs) i thought i i I honestly believe that she was either in a band or uh some kind of uh uh 
you know, up and up, up and coming kind of movie star. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I just got to go over and find out what what their story is. And um, so Jeremy and I walked over and introduced ourselves, and Reggie and her mom proceeded to tell us her whole story. Mm-hmm. And it was a very sobering story to hear, indeed. Um, the long and the short of it was that she had stage four osteosarcoma, and uh, what her mother told us and what Reggie told me was that there was very little chance that she would survive beyond two or three years. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> then uh, the next thing that happened was that her mother said that Reggie's dream was to make a feature feature doc before she died. And uh, would I be interested in, you know, they had uh, appreciated the film they had just seen that I had made. Mm -hmm. And they asked if I would be interested in working with her. And I have to tell you, I was quite daunted when they asked me that question. Um, But um, I said, yes, I'd be extremely interested. And the way that because I work unscripted and I uh, collaborate with my subjects and uh, what's in what's been become known as living cinema. Mm-hmm. It's a living cinema approach to filmmaking, which is all about collapsing the boundaries between subject and author. And, and, um, uh, art and life collapsing the boundaries between art and life. And, um, you know, that comes directly out of the Maisel Brothers. Right. Uh, sort of a extension of that whole, of, of Grey Gardens. So I explained that whole thing, and I said, you know, if, I, if we work on a movie together, we have to make it together as equal partners. And I saw her face light up, and she said, I like that. <laughs> and um, And so... I said, okay, well, the next step is that, and uh, and Jeremy uh, uh, chirped in, that the next step is that we have to come out to California and start filming together and um, figure out, you know, do an exploratory and figure out if they really, if we really can make a film together. And I, and, and... um, well, Henry, before, was it always going to be about her life or or were there other subjects that you no. talked about? Was it always going to be about that? Yeah, it was going to be about her life. Okay, okay. And um, the uh, thing that made me realize that, 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 that drove that point home is that at that moment in the lobby, Jeremy was chatting with her mom about details of how it worked. Uh, and uh, Reggie pulled me aside and she said, um, so you realize I'm going to die, you know, when we're making this. If we decide to make this film, you realize I'm going to die. And I just want to know how you feel about that. And I said, well, that's really, really, really difficult for me. And she said, yeah, but can you accept the fact that it's okay for me to die? Because it's really important that I have at least one person in my life 
that it's okay to die with because I, you know, all of the, my family and all of my friends and all of my church people um, love me so much and want me uh, to survive and want me to, 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 to fight it. But I realize that sooner or later I'm going to die, and I need to have at least if I'm going to work on a work of art like this, I need to have one person that it's okay to die with. And I said, okay. I understand. And that was our pact. And so that's how we moved forward. And then a couple weeks later, we went out. Actually, to be perfectly honest, I procrastinated for a couple of weeks. I was busy traveling. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, I've always been trained to make art about the things that scare me the most, the things that provoke me the most, the things that um, potentially are going to be the most transformative experiences I can go through. But that sounds really good on paper. But when you think about, okay, I'm going to be spending a year or two with this person, and it's moving towards death, it was quite terrifying to me. Oh, God. And so I procrastinated for a couple of weeks. And then I got a letter, got an email from her mom asking if I was still interested. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I'm very, very interested. I'm sorry. I've just been so busy. And then I, um, wait, another week went by, and I got just the most heartbreakingly simple text of believe it was from Reggie that said, are you still interested in working together? Hmm. And I just said, of course I am. I'm going to make plans right now. And within three days we were in California and we spent three days shooting. And that's all the footage you see in the beginning of the film Mm -hmm. with her on Catalina Island on the swing Mm -hmm. and us talking and, uh, the whole groundwork for the film was established in that moment, and and it was just perfect. What did it surprise you? Did did you expect her to be such a self possessed? And obviously, from the, your your initial conversation and your communication with her via the text or whatever that was, she obviously sounded must have sounded like someone who, as you described her a little kind of a little buddha here but I, I how long did it take you to kind of sort of realize that she she really possesses a, a i mean it's easy to say wisdom beyond her years and all those kind of things but it's more than that there's a there is a certain glow about this young woman um that is that comes across in the film but sort of did it, did it, how long before you got kind of used to kind of in as days of filming that I was dealing with a real artist, a very young artist, a very inexperienced artist, but a very complete artist. And probably because of circumstances, even more um, uh, focused and driven 
than any 17, 18, 19-year-old I've ever met in my life. I mean, we have tons of interns and tons of young people who come through Cora Films, and I've never quite met anybody uh, who could absorb um, information so quickly and translate it into uh, artistic expression. Mm-hmm. She was just the most quick study I've ever met in my life interesting collaboration between um, a filmmaker at the very beginning of her career and a very seasoned filmmaker. And it was like just kind of a, uh, we were kind of like two peas in a pod creatively. We're speaking with Henry Cora, uh, the co-director of the film Farewell to Hollywood, along with Regina Nicholson. Um, So, over a period of how long the filming took place, was it? Two years. Two years. Yeah. And, and in the course... So it was from 17... She was almost 18 when I first met her. Mm-hmm. And so it was uh, 17... 19. She was 17 to 19. Okay. Frankly, even though I think it's incumbent upon me to ask you about some of the controversy surrounding your film, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to be honest. I, I didn't see what the... Uh, what all the hubbub was about, to be honest with you. I didn't... Well, you, you know, you have to understand that um, the death of a young person is a tragic panic situation, and that everybody involved, especially those who loved her the most, mm-hmm. most importantly, her family, mm-hmm. are in a panic. It, it, it's, it's sort of like the youth counselor said to Reggie in, in the film, you have to understand that your mother is terrified right now, yeah. that she's going she's gonna to lose her daughter. So this whole idea of good guys and bad guys and good behavior and bad behavior yeah. is, is just, it's just a really wrong, wrong way to look at it. The way to look at it is the way Reggie would look at it is with enormous compassion mm. for a lot of people who are in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I've always taken that position with parents, with my behavior. I mean, there were times, uh, you know, when I'm screaming at nurses to get her pain, you know, under control. And um, people are making irrational um, assumptions and misunderstandings are occurring. And and this this is the life of stage four cancer. When you're a young woman who's trying to come of age and be an artist, yeah. And the thing to me that sticks out that's the most that's the most miraculous about the movie is that somehow, through all of that pain and suffering, and confusion and panic and chaos and fear, Reggie was like Yoda in the middle of it. I know. And she was able to just—I mean, I'm getting like chills now. But she was able to live her life to the fullest and to achieve her goals, which were to have a feeling of freedom, to be surrounded by artists. She wanted to keep her parents in her life, and she tried desperately to keep them in her life. And she always would have been open to keeping them in her life. And also, um, she just she wanted to be surrounded by by love, and so this was supported by 
so many different communities. The medical community, which sort of has to take a invisible seat in the movie because of HEPA laws and stuff like that. But they were they were truly truly supportive of 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 Reggie's um, goals in life. Yeah. You know, in what little life she had left. Yeah. The social workers, the shrinks, um, these are all people that I was very close to, but I couldn't include in the film. Um, the film community that rallied around us hmm. in support of it. Uh, you know, Albert Mazels just died yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, Judy Mazels was one of the biggest supporters of this of this movie and thought that it truly was um, a great, great example of deeply personal personal participatory filmmaking, is what she called it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so the film community, the cancer community, the social, uh, social workers, the medical communities that fought like warrior spirits for her. And then of course the Methodist community, which was for me as a lapsed Catholic from the East coast <laughs> living in New York city was the biggest surprise of all, because to this day, my closest friendships are with Scott Jackson and Lethal Stouffer who who were Reggie's both both Reggie's youth ministers that you see in the movie, yeah, yeah. and then and then the entire congregation or whatever you call it the parish, um, the parishioners. I mean, they just really were were there for us in ways that is kind of uh, just. Uh, I don't know if we could have made it through without them. Yeah, as your relationship with Reggie developed, and we are contrasting that with the uh, the situation at home with her parents. Um, mm-hmm. At some point in that relationship, at some point, that became something that um, became antagonistic. What what point in the in the because they're an integral part of this film, and I by the way. I, I think you were very generous with them in your in the way that you were able to include them, and they were in the film. Obviously, an important part of the story, but also I thought you were able to give them, I would say, the most empathetic perspective uh, under the circumstances. But I, I want to thank go... you because that was our that was our goal to to show how hard it was, and yet to show enormous compassion and empathy and understanding for them. Mm-hmm. Well, did did you have a sense fairly early on that this might go sideways, or what, what was it? Was were there any any idea going into it that uh, that this? Well, might there are happen? many different there are many different heads you go into to to make unscripted uh, creative nonfiction is what I call it. It's it's sort of like these films are like novels, but they're written from the inside out. You know, you don't write them; they're they're unscripted. And you don't have, know how the stories are going to turn out. So you're constantly figuring out what the rules of the rules of the film are through making the film. So, um, so I do a fair amount of head work in advance 
And then I kind of throw it all away and just start filming. And when I start filming, I film with my heart and my head and my embrace completely open. And I almost have a, a, a chameleon type uh, nature to me that occurs during the filming part where I uh, can experience uh, almost total identification with all of the characters. Mm -hmm. That's why they're not good guys or bad guys. They're, they're just people. And through this kind of identification with them, I'm able to uh, depict them, you know, mm -hmm. um, more completely and yeah. compassionately. So I went into this thinking, of course, that this this was could only end in tragedy. Mm. But boy, were we going to make the most of it while while we had time, and that we were going to um, figure out figure out you know the most amazing film we could that the two of us could make together, and and that. You know, her to be to be perfectly honest, ninety percent of the time her parents were so grateful and so uh, in uh, uh, civil and so um, inviting to me and, and thank and glad that I was there. Um, you know, unfortunately, there were a couple of times when it became too much for them, and. Uh, and I respectfully uh, uh, stood down, you know, and and, and uh, stood back and stopped filming. And um, but um, for the most part, they, uh, I mean, for, I mean, they definitely wanted the film to be made, and they were definitely very supportive of the film being made even after all the misunderstandings and craziness, which I don't want to give away too much because right. I want people to come and see this movie right. because I can guarantee you, you have never seen a movie like this before. And even after um, the slings and arrows <laughs> um, of our relationship, um, they came, you know, they, they came back they uh, made it clear that they wanted Reggie. That they knew. They made it clear that they knew, even though even though they wished things had worked would work out differently. They knew that Reggie was taken care of. They knew that Reggie was in good hands, mm -hmm. and they wanted the film to be made. Just and uh, we're speaking with uh, Henry Cora the co-director of the film Farewell to Hollywood along with Reggie Nicholson. Um, the film comes out uh, this Friday, uh, March 13th here in Los Angeles and I believe in New York as well, Henry? It, it opened in, at the Cinema Village on um, Reggie's birthday, which is February 25th. Okay. That's right. And it then, did open. I remember and then, now. And then, 30, and, then, and, then, and then it's rolling out to 30 30 other cities. So. 
Do, do you, and without being, you know, I want to turn this into, uh, you know, a session with the psychiatrist here, but do you think that someone, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> do you, do you think that just the, the enormity of what they were facing along with the, you know, relatively normal familial fissures, it, it just all of those things combined to just make, uh, some of the things that the in their behavior, uh, I I guess you you've already said it in a way understandable. Let's uh, of that, course yes of course. I is. mean, listen. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I lost our mother last summer, and there was some terrible, terrible rifts that you know. I mean, basically the whole power dynamic of our family was ripped out from under us. Yeah. And my brother and I went through some terrible times like the worst times of our life together and we're now we're now just repairing that and so uh this is no different you know uh i'm trying not to give away yeah. too much but yeah, what, yeah, let, let, yeah what 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 occurs in in reggie's story and in reggie's family's story um is the story of many many deaths in many family and friend dynamics. Mm -hmm. And it's like a very important, I didn't realize, we didn't realize this. We didn't go in with a cause. We, we went in with, we went in to make a great movie that told a compelling story yeah. about unconditional love. And, um, but you know, one of the things we've learned that the film is about, and we, we, and Reggie and I even learned it in the days before her death, is when we looked at that rough cut together, is that the film really is about, you know, how how much of a struggle it is to lose someone you love in a family and friend in a group of in a family and a group of friends, yeah. that it it just it throws shockwaves through everyone. Yeah, it does. It does, and I can speak as you as you have, uh, losing your your mom. Um, and I, I I exactly mirror the the same sort of, uh, you know, reactions to people in in the family who disappear, who <laughs> at, lash out, who, you know, just refuse to believe it in some on some very basic level, and 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 behave in ways that are. At sometimes reprehensible, and yeah, it is. It it is. You're this right. Your, you know, there's a reason that there's many reasons this film is called Farewell to Hollywood. This isn't your typical Hollywood movie. Yeah. This isn't terms of endearment. You know, <laughs> this is real life. Yeah. Uh, in terms of endearment, you know, <laughs> in most movies, uh, uh, where you know most Hollywood movies where um, this kind of tragedy occurs there's always a kind of uh uh uplifting reconciliation in order to counter counterbalance <laughs> and, yeah and and you know unfortunately that's not the way real life always works but i think there's enormous uh affirmation in this film even though things didn't go um as Reggie or her parents had hoped, yeah. um, I still think there's enormous um, catharsis because Reggie 
actually was able to um, to attain so many of the things that she dreamed of so quickly. Yeah, the, she is such and it was it was weird. I mean, it's yeah. weird because she was she was becoming free. The closer she was becoming freer and freer as a young woman coming of age as she moved closer to death. Yeah. I mean, that's just so extraordinary to me. In the depths of, of an unspeakable, you know, fate, if you will, for her, she continues through in, through the entire film of Farewell to Hollywood to be intelligent, positive, uh, concerned about the people around her as much as anything. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, all there are just so many things and uh, about her just just. Just that alone about Farewell to Hollywood, just her uh, putting aside all of the, the ramifications of, as you described, the illness and the, the effect it has on people and, and, and your relationship to her. And by the way, for, uh, um, you're, you're very discreet in this film in terms of the amount of time that you're on screen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I would uh, thought reading about and hearing about the film that that you would be in the film more, but actually, and frankly, I mean, your presence is felt because there's the the dialogue with you as you're filming the the, uh, the movie. Uh, <laughs> but your appearances are are, are very, uh, a very, um, I would say, minimal even uh, mm-hmm. in the film. And I I think that that's a great artistic choice to to make mm-hmm. because this film, as at the end of the day. Is about uh, Reggie, and it's about it's about what her life experiences is. But you, as an you, are there as a mentor. You you are able to assist her in realizing her dream of, and her and her elevation to you know recognition as an artist. And I, I just I really I really love the so many things about your film. But in in this is just a very this is a human it's a very humanizing film. Very, but very also, but it's also about platonic love. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if, if people have a problem with that, then I think they're just talking about themselves more than they are what really occurred in this film. Yeah, because this is this was just such such a um, such an amazing amazing relationship that we were able to have. Yeah. On so many levels, and um, yeah, yeah, I, I there's still grateful. Yeah, I, and you've sort of touched on this. There's been a fair amount of chatter uh, about the film, and sort of echoing some of the things you just said. You know about the appropriateness and all that. So going in again, I hadn't seen the film. I'd heard a little bit about this part of it, and I was just I, I said to a friend, uh, mm-hmm. I think we I didn't see the same movie that these other people saw. I don't know. I, I really think, did. <laughs> I really I just, didn't. I just think it, there are different types of people. I mean, um, I mean, yeah. we don't know where friendship, where loving, caring, deep, profound, artistic uh, friendships are going to. We don't know when and where and how they're going to happen. And um, it just happened that between Reggie and I, we had this amazing relationship. And 
I guess there, you know, some people who, uh, you know, have certain rules. Um, I, I, I'm sort of like David Hockney. You know, David Hockney grew up gay in the '40s in London, mm-hmm. and and everybody always asked David Hockney like, what, you know, what was it like being gay in in London in the '40s in this such a homophobic society? And he said, well, it really had no effect on me whatsoever. Because I grew up in a bohemian culture, yeah. and you know Reggie, uh, I, and that, and that's my life is. You know, I, I've had a bohemian life, you know, and and I mean that in the best sense of the word. Yeah. It's the life of an artist, and it's the life of of, of uh, opening and receiving what life presents you with, and respecting it and making the most of it. So I don't see uh, an unconventional uh, friendship or collaboration as uh, I don't immediately leap. I think I don't immediately leap to some um, negative assumptions. I, I, you know, I I look at it for what it is and, and decide and, well, and I think that's the way most people really receive the film. I just think there are a few very loud people who get derailed by certain conventions. Right, and 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 yes, I and I want to. I mean, I will acknowledge that in the United States, in suburban kind of mentality, yeah, uh, Reggie and I had an unconventional relationship, but it was deeply respectful. And um, uh, profound, you know. That's all I can say. Yeah. Um, and by the way, in terms of the film, it's the film itself. By the way, we're speaking with uh, director, co-director Henry Cora. The film is Farewell to Hollywood. Her, uh, Henry and Reggie Nicholson, uh, the co-directors of this film. It's out in theaters. Uh, what? How? Uh, just quickly, how quickly does this go to um, plans for other platforms like? VOD and such. Oh, there's some big stuff happening okay. right now that okay. I can't talk about. All right. But okay. this film is um, uh, going to be ava- available to everyone. Okay. Very soon. And and as far as the film With, itself, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Within the next six months. Okay. Well, just uh, sort of in the filmmaking end of this. After all, we are on film school here. Uh, I I wasn't what what I likes a lot about this film is it's very impressionistic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I, and, and, um, uh, you don't, you don't linger in any scenes for a long, a long time. There's lots of sort of, like I've said, impressionistic imagery. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm just kind of curious, uh, influence, uh, that Reggie had on you in this regard, or you had on her and sort of the style that you made. Did you quickly sort of agree to a certain look and style or was there some back and forth in terms of that for the film? Uh, yeah, we worked very, very hard and very closely on that. In the first, we we actually uh, started editing style samples very early on. Usually, a lot of times with these kinds of movies, you'll wait till the end to start any kind of editing. But because of the circumstances, I realized we had to dovetail certain things. And one of the things that Reggie wanted and is, re- I hope, is reflected in the movie that we made 
is that she she wanted to um, she wanted the film to vacillate or kind of undulate between the movies and fantasies in her head that allowed her to escape the brutal realities of her life, and so I. So Reggie and I started playing around with style samples that actually kind of shift between fantasy and reality and first and third person. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge breakthrough that came very early on in the movie. And that's the very definition of the language of the film. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said to you earlier in my rant is that... Um, the rules for these kinds of movies are 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 made up through the making of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so here's a classic example of a, of uh, of of a movie that is kind of a nonfiction fairy tale mm-hmm. that undulates between the brutal realities of somebody's life and the magical fantasies inside their head. Yeah. Hence the title, Farewell to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's the, I think that that's a, a classic example of something that grew out of the, the, the situation and the, uh, artistry yeah. that we shared. Yeah. Well, well, Henry, it, this is a beautiful film. Uh, and, um, I, I'm so glad that you and Reggie were able to, work together uh and 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 make this happen uh sh- this is a fantastic testament uh, to her uh her artistry and and yours as well and you know I'm just thrilled thrilled for you and it, I'm, I'm, it, it, you know I'm just astounded at her bravery yeah and at the at the bravery that um that she drew out of me because this this was a this was a really risky film to make, and David Mazel's my mentor, who made Grey Gardens and Give Me Shelter, used to always say to me that it's 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 a very dangerous place to go inside people's lives. There's a lot of danger involved, and you must be brave, and you must be true. And you must be respectful. And that's something that Reggie and I enacted more than any other film that I've ever worked on. Well, Henry, on that note, uh, I want to thank you so much for being on Film School. uh, And um, I look forward to all of your work and uh, all the best. All the best to you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.